Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. Welcome to another podcast of Reconciling Grace. This is a podcast where we discuss topics that are related to the Bible. My name is Pete Vecchi, and uh, I'm joined today by Pastor Don McDonald, PMAC, who is the pastor trying to retire from Danforth Reformed Church in Danforth, Illinois. He's in the process of retiring. So when I say trying to retire, it's kind of a process. Is, is that accurate, Don, how I said that? I don't know. I, I know I'm retiring sometime, just don't know when. I'm retired from the denomination, but the church won't let me go. Next gotcha. May will be 30 years, so I don't know if that'll be a mark or not. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Well, all I know is I'm I'm always tiring, not necessarily retiring, but I'm tiring. I'm, I, I get tired. So, And then also with us, Pastor Jason Rensner from uh, Faith Lutheran Church, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Jason, you're not retiring, are you? Well, no, I'm a, I, I still think I have a little bit of time left. Yep, yep. Well, I'm not retiring yet either. So um, I've been an ordained minister in the Church of the Nazarene since the 1990s. So, uh, you know, I hope to keep on going for a little while as well. And uh, one of the things that came to my mind today, uh, maybe not just today, but as I've been considering what we wanted to talk about, how about a biblical topic on prayer? And not just prayer, but almost um, honing in a little bit more into intercessory prayer. And when I say intercessory prayer, there I go using my 50 cent words, you know, because I are an ordained minister, you know, I are an ordained minister. You know, I notice how I said that. Um, intercessory simply means praying for others. Would there be a better way that you would, either one of you would, would uh, use that term intercessory I can't really think of another way. I think it, it is praying on behalf of someone as they, you know, we get as a church request every once in a while that, hey, we need to pray on behalf of so-and-so who's getting ready for surgery or be in prayer for so-and-so who is dealing with a broken relationship. So mm -hmm. it's definitely an, an intercessory prayer for someone who is dealing with some type of issue. Sure. And, uh, you know, it's one of these things where I believe in prayer. I want to I want to say that from the outset. I believe in prayer. I believe that we are called to pray. I believe that every Christian should be praying. I do also believe that there are certain uh, Christians who have the gift of prayer, which means almost what I would call a prayer warrior who will, you know, just really be fervent in prayer uh, more than other people will be. And that's not saying they're a better Christian or a, you know, a better servant. It's just that, again, they have, we all have different gifts. We have different things that um, God has given us and we are supposed to use the gifts we've had to build up the body of Christ. Um, believing in prayer. You know, I remember the, the, probably the biggest prayer that I've ever heard of answered in my own life. Well, one of the biggest ones anyway, was back in, Gosh, in the 1990s, I'm not going to give you the exact date because I don't think my daughter would want everybody to know how old she is. 
but it was the week after my daughter was born. And Don, you may remember this. We almost lost my wife. Um, she was yeah. very sick. She got very uh, sick after the birth of my daughter and, and the, and the uh, literally one week to the day after our daughter was born, um, she found herself in the hospital and the doctors, even at that time for a while, did not know what was going on. And some of them said they were surprised she made it through the night. A lot of prayers went up for her, not just yeah. by me, not just by our family, but by people who we didn't even know. And found, in fact, I found out that people were praying for her, you know, across the ocean. <laughs> people who I wouldn't have even thought of be praying for her were praying for her. And, you know, praise God, everything came back to normal. And she's still with us here in, in you know, the end of the year 2023. So that's been, uh, you know, quite a few years now that she's still with us. We praise God for that. And Lord willing, she'll be with us for many more years, you know. But um, there have been times, though, and maybe you guys have seen them, too, where we've been praying hard for somebody and it just doesn't work. I was sharing with you guys um before we, we started the podcast today, that over the past couple of weeks or month or so, there have been people who I've been praying for for, you know, probably months, if not a year or more, that they're just not doing any better. Um, and I'm talking specifically with health issues at this point. Um, and in fact, as I shared, I had been praying for one person and I found out probably a week or so afterwards that he had died. And I'd been praying for him even after he had died. Um, and you know, honestly, that made me think of scripture and I'm looking at second Samuel chapter 12, where starting in verse 16, I'm just going to read a few verses here. David pleaded with God for the child. He fasted and spent the nights lying in sackcloth on the ground. The elders of his household stood beside him to get him up from the ground, but he refused and he would not eat any food with them. On the seventh day, the child died. David's attendants were afraid to tell him the child was dead, for they thought, while the child was still living, he wouldn't listen to us when we spoke to him. How can we now tell him the child is dead? He may, be, he may do something desperate. David noticed that his attendants were whispering among themselves, and he realized, realized the child was dead. Is the child dead, he asked. Yes, they replied, he is dead. Then David got up from the ground. After he had washed, put on lotions, and changed his clothes, he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he went to his own house, and at his request, they served him food, and he ate. His attendants asked him, Why are you acting this way? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept, but now the child is dead, you get up and eat. He answered, While the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. I thought, Who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live. But now that he is dead, why should I go on fasting? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. All right, that was kind of a lengthy passage, but the bottom line is, I think that that kind of sets us up the way that, that we act in our lives when we talk about prayer. Uh, many of us have prayed for people and yet they have died. Yet then I start thinking in the back of my mind, but what about Lazarus? Mm -hmm. You know, why do we stop praying when somebody dies? Well, maybe it's because Lazarus is obviously a very, very... Um, what do I call? He 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 he's the uh, not rule. What's the word I'm looking for? He's exception. the exception to the rule. He's the yeah. exception yeah. to the rule. Very much so, the exception to the rule. Um, but again, when do you stop praying for somebody? That's been one of my questions. 
especially when you don't know them. You guys well, struggle with this uh, at all, or is it just me? I think every, I, I mean, we've had instances, or I've had instances in the church where I've prayed for somebody to get well, and then lo and behold, find out at the end of the service that they had died, you know, maybe a couple of days ago. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's kind of, it, it, I think, when do you stop praying for somebody? I mean, I think, I mean, my thought about after somebody has died, I think that they're, I mean, I think that their place in eternity is there or not. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I guess we don't, uh, in in the church, I mean, pray for the dead because because when Christ is, when, when somebody dies, they're, you know, that that's all for them. I mean, either that's their judgment day. They're with the Lord or they're not. Right. So I think that's one place to, probably one place to stop. Yeah. I mean, continuing, right, intercessory prayer for the family. Sure. You know, which is very appropriate, too. Right, because we pray for their comfort, their their peace, and that the Lord would give them that comfort of peace. Because, I mean, that's where we pray a lot for the Lord to, you know, give them the peace that surpasses all understanding. Because at that time, we don't, we can't do a whole lot sometimes. It, sometimes it's only what God can do. I'm, yeah. I think the text isn't coming to my mind, but I know that, you know, when we read through some of the New Testament, there's, if you don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit will step in and pray on your behalf. Mm -hmm. You know, there is that sense of, yeah, I have no idea what, what to pray for, Lord, but I have to trust that the Spirit will step in and, as it were, fill in the blanks. I, I don't know, Pete, what, you know, when you're reading through the David text there from Samuel and watching him basically say, okay, the child died, it's time for me to get on with life, you know, and you're watching those around David sort of going, how's he going to react? What is he going to do? You know, type of thing. I think the hardest part of prayer life in general is accepting how God's going to move when it's contrary to what you were wishing for. Sure. You know, I, I, I always tell my people, you know, that I've worked with over the years and those who I've life coached and discipled, the hardest part of the Lord's prayer is thy will be done mm -hmm. <laughs> on earth as it is in heaven, you know, to, to pray that section of the Lord's prayer um, you know, cause th we've had, you know, I've done life coaching with people and they're sort of like, well, you know, this didn't come out the way I thought it did. And I said, well, let's review a little bit of your life experiences. What do you think God is teaching you in that moment? Mm -hmm. You know, and sometimes it boils down to just trusting he knows better than you. Yeah. You know, oh, and, so yeah. and sometimes think... in, in intercessory prayer what you're really saying is if it be your will god let this take place if not you know what's best i think that's great i think that the right the biggest part of prayer intercessory prayer especially for wanting a certain outcome to occur that we would want but then also right like you said don to trust that when it does when god does or when when the situation is done that you trust that God is still working, God is still loving, God is still providing. You know, that I think you're right. The biggest part of prayer is is trusting, not my will. I mean, even Jesus, right, when he was in the garden, yep. he he pleaded very fervently that I don't want to do this. You know, take this cup away from me. But he said, but, you know, not not my will, but your will be done. And to be able to say that with, with trust. Mm -hmm. 
Well, and, I, and I agree exactly with what you guys are saying. Um, let me tell you where my struggle comes. And, you know, by the way, folks, even ordained ministers struggle. You know, we, we do. Where my struggle comes is where is that balance between praying specifically and praying generally? In other words, um, especially for somebody whom I might not know, it might be easier for me to say, Lord, yes, your will be done. Um, but at the same time, what I had found is for a long time in my life, in my prayer life, I was just saying, okay, Lord, it's up to you. It's in your hands. And I leave it there. But then it seemed like I would forget about these people and maybe have to start praying for them again another time. And at what point is it, is it a lack of faith? And what point is it just practical? I mean, Jason, you may remember when I when I left from our college, I went out on the road with a couple of Christian singing groups, and you know we were in a different church and staying with different host families every night, and it got to the point where I was trying to pray for them. And after about a month or so, gosh, I've been in twenty different homes and twenty different uh, families, and have all these different people to pray for. It just got to the point where there's only so many hours in a day. You can't really keep praying for them. And so when do you stop? Things like that. Um, and that started getting me into the idea of, well, if I'm praying, Don, as you said, thy will be done. I, I believe in that 100%. I really do. Just putting it in his hands and, and letting the outcome, um, you know, just leave it up to him. But then it's, at some point I start to say, is that a cop-out? You know, what is... What is it that God wants to do? Is it up to me to try to figure out what God wants to do? Is it up to me to just put it in his hands once and say anything more than that is a lack of faith on my part as though he didn't hear me? You get where the struggle is. This is this is where I'm coming from. Have you guys got any maybe thoughts on that? Again, I've been praying more often, I think, over this past year for other people than I had in, in previous years. And... Um, the idea that I'm getting at is hopefully our listeners are understanding that there's a balance. Um, do you have anything to add to that, either one of you? I, I find it interesting that you say that. This might not be an answer, but it's more of an, uh, an interesting reflection that we have uh, probably like a lot of churches, we have a prayer list, you know, that we print out, right. you know, but but there's kind of uh, there's kind of certain levels of prayer. I mean, so the top part of the list is kind of the people that are, any so it's a more quote unquote immediate need, but then there's the bottom section where people are more um in long we call them long term concerns. Sure, you know. So even there is kind of uh, this is not answering the question maybe, but it's it's interesting that it does kind of put people on a certain level of these people are more immediately in need of prayer. These people and some of those people have been on the bottom of that you know, that, that short-term or that long-term concern list for a long time. Sure. And you do start to kind of lose, you know, I mean, you kind of lose focus on those people. And like you said, uh, like you said, Pete, what, when do you, cause you can't have, you know, a thousand people on your prayer list. I mean, it has to be, it has to stop somewhere, but that's not answering the question. That's just an observation <laughs> that I'm, I'm, I'm seeing about our prayer list. It's just kind of interesting. It you know, some people are... I wouldn't be good at being God, you know? <laughs> it, yeah, I, I think 
you know, when when you ask that question, you know, Pete, when do you stop praying for someone or how do you, um, for no better of a word that's in my brain, facilitate a prayer walk that identifies people that you want to pray over in terms of intercessory. Can I say that word today? Um, and, and I guess in my mind, I, I'm and I'm a little bit more Pentecost on this point. You know, it, it's more like when the Holy Spirit leans in on me, and I don't know why, out of the blue, a name will come to me. And I find myself just praying over that individual and then find out, you know, two, three, four weeks later, hey, I was living through this, you know. And and so, you know, I I'm not disciplined enough to have a prayer list in front of me of people I said I pray for, but I'm disciplined enough to understand that when a name hits me, just to lift it up and say, God, this name's hitting me. I'm praying over this person. I don't know why. Lord, take care of the situation. You know, I've, I've had a lot of that in, in my years of ministry. And so it, it's it's more of when I feel the prompting is when I usually have an accessory prayer. And it might be a relative of a relative whose timeline on Facebook or whatever social media platform you use somehow just popped in front of me, you yeah. know? And, and so it's not always intentional or disciplined like you are, Pete. I, I've never been that disciplined in the process. Well, neither have I. This is, not, this is not something that has gone on my whole life. It's something I've been focusing on for maybe the past year or so right and 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 in my mind you know what i have found myself doing more of over you know the time period is when some someone hits me or that when i'm driving or something i find myself in prayer for a moment on that person it's more of a a momentary process shall we call it um and and i don't know you know because we we talk about the issue of Prayer answered with a prayer, as we've said it over and over again, versus prayer that isn't answered the way we think it should be answered. And and a lot of it, in my mind, is, you know, Scripture talks about you keep knocking at the door. You keep saying this prayer over and over again, and sooner or later, God will move in such a way. Um, God's not afraid of hearing us pray for something over and over again. Sure. I think the part that is, quote unquote, afraid is that we have to trust what other answer he gives us, that it is the answer he wants us to have. Mm -hmm. I think the hardest part as a pastor over the years that I've had is God didn't answer the prayer the way I wanted. And this is what happened. And it wasn't the best for me. And then you have to process, well, how did you pray? What was the purpose of your prayer? Where was your heart in that moment of prayer? How is God moving in your life through the process of these prayers you said over and over again? And sometimes I'll hit a wall of anger that's out of this world, that God just didn't move the way I thought he needed to move. And other times it's like, oh, this is part of being a new creation in Christ. The old is gone means there are things in my life that I thought were better that were in the old that God's teaching me, no, this is what the new looks like. So I, I'm like Jason, I don't have a clear answer or a clear process in how God moves as we pray. 
But what I do have is an acceptance that it's all right to pray the same prayer over and over again, seeing that God knows that you're connected to him. That's why I tell my people, praying the same prayer over, waiting to see how God's going to move, that's very acceptable by God because those type of prayers mean you're still connected to God. You're still working with God. You fervently love him and want him in and through Jesus Christ is driven by the Holy Spirit as you're praying to have that connection with him as you're dealing with this. Mm -hmm. So when I'm looking over intercessory prayer and that process, I almost feel that the process of prayer is what's the most important part of it. And seeing what God does is another part of the process. So it's it's sort of intertwined to process in my mind. Sure. And I think too, having the intercessory prayer for people to pray and often when i'm praying for people i pray that you know when the prayer is answered especially if somebody's sick or you know maybe I've, oh, maybe we're on a longer term kind of thing that when the prayer is answered that that person um the the loved ones the family members and so on that they're they'll understand and be kind of understand god's will in that situation and be comforted that they're I don't know, I'm not saying that right, but that that their will will be lined up with God's will. Their understanding with what God is doing will be in line, so that they'll be able to accept it and and be able to go on. Um, I like what you said, Don, about the process of prayer. I mean, being connected with with God through prayer, it, regardless of what I think what you're saying, regardless of the outcome, just having that opportunity to connect with God is a good. I mean that that's a good. A, a benefit of prayer for sure mm -hmm. i think you're both you know you're both saying some fantastic stuff and and i agree with you i don't know that any of us are going to be able to answer these things i guess to me the, maybe it's the process of asking the questions today you know don you talked about the process of prayer it's maybe the process of asking the questions because i believe the more that i dig into this the more that i realize that a lot of people probably have the same questions that we're asking today. Um, you know, a, a lot of it for me is I, I remember where, when Jesus came down from the mountain of transfiguration and he saw the uh, the disciples arguing with a man and the man said, and forgive me, I didn't look up the the, the reference chapter and verse, but the, the man says, I brought you my son and, and I brought him to, to your disciples and he's you know, got this demon, and if if you can do anything, would you? Because your disciples haven't been able to cast this guy out, cast this the thing out of there. And and Jesus says, if you can, what do you mean if you can? All things are possible for him who believes. And the man said, and I love this 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 uh, line. It says, I do believe. Help my unbelief. You know, and it's it's just such a a, a human way of looking at it when i say human in a good way because we are human we are not god help my unbelief we all struggle with unbelief one of the things that that i struggle with is saying where he said if you can okay god i know you can when i'm praying i know you can the question is going back to what you shared don is it your will yeah yeah i know you can but will you is it your will and that's, you know, to me, I always struggle when, when, especially if it's a young person, for instance, who is struggling or maybe even dies, um, how could that be God's will 
Um, God's permissive will, you know, I've always heard that God's permissive will as far as God's perfect will and and whatever. God uses all these things. And I, I think sometimes I just have to remind myself of, of my overall view of life uh, with God is that God generally allows the natural circumstances of things to take place unless... And this is a big unless he chooses to supernaturally intervene. And when he does so, it is so that he and his kingdom will be glorified. So I like to use the example of uh, in the Bible, in the book of Acts, James, uh, who is the one of the apostles, was was put to death by Herod. And so Herod arrested Peter and he was going to put Peter to death, too. But Peter um, it said that the, the disciples were praying for him and an angel came and helped Peter escape. Okay, so what was it about Peter? Or what was it about James? You know, why did God love Peter more? No, you know, but the idea is that God had a reason and God was glorified through it. And there was a reason God said, okay, James, it's time for you to come home with me. And Peter, I want you to keep on going there on earth for a while. Yeah. I, I, I keep thinking about, you know, sometimes when I preach and teach, you know, I'll, I'll say, okay, where's the life application in this? You know, as you're thinking about your walk in Christ, where's the life application? And I had a professor in Trinity, uh, Dr. Sally, taught me uh, Christian education. And, and one of the things he kept honing in on, and he was a whimsical gentleman, he loved puns. And he used to say, you know, it's time for you all to get fat. I don't know if you've heard that acronym before, but I think when we're dealing with prayer, we need to get fat. We need to be faithful. We need to be faithful that God is there and God's going to move as we pray. We need to be available. That we're available enough to say he will teach us what he wants us to teach us in that moment. But we have to be available, faithful, available, and teachable. You know, and I think with intercessory prayer, it's being faithful enough to have that prayer in your life. It's available enough to say, Lord, we're available to take you where I want us to be. But my prayer is, is you restore this marital relationship or you heal this person. And if not, Lord, teach me. Teach me what you want me to know. You know, mm -hmm. and, and, and I think, you know, that sense of being fat gives you a sense of direction of, of, of you know, because I'm not disagreeing with you, Peter, in the realm of it's a fair question to ask, why didn't God answer the prayer the way I wanted it? I prayed over and over and over again, and it seems like God's just not there, you know, and, and we've all had people like that we've worked with, yeah. And, yeah. and I think you know, you have to gently say, hey, you just need to keep faithful in what God is doing in your life. Don't get totally angry with him that you shut him down and let him in your anger with him because the Psalms have anger in them. Um, teach you what he wants you to know. You know, and, and I think that's a thought, you know, when I was thinking about a life application, you know, if I'm preaching, teaching this, that fat acronym just like boom in my head. You know, so that's some of my reaction to the question about intercessory prayer and why God moves like he does.
Just repeat those three the three words again. It was faithful. Faithful, available, teachable. Teachable, right. I just wanted to make sure that our listeners hear that. Faithful, available, Good. teachable. There's something else I can use and take credit for. You okay. know, but uh, but <laughs> but I think I think what, what you're saying, Don, I think is very I I think what we're maybe drifting towards, at least maybe I'm wrong, but it it uh it sounds like that that intercessory prayer is more the process of prayer than, uh, and you said it earlier, there's two things, the process of prayer and the outcome. But I think maybe maybe the more important part of the intercessory prayer is the process, not only for the prayer, but for the person that's being pr prayed for. Maybe that's more where we're, maybe that's where the, you know, the, the whole process of, of trust and in growing in your faith and so on. I, um, I always kind of wonder sometimes, I, what I always kind of, has it or hate to see is when people, you know, that if I if I have this person on a prayer list, how many prayer lists do I need to have them on? Mm -hmm. And then if I don't have so my my concern always is if, if something doesn't happen the way somebody is hoping that it'll happen in prayer, that they're gonna somehow feel like they're, oh, I didn't pray hard enough or I didn't have enough people on the prayer chain, right? You know, I mean that's not maybe that's a distinction between the process and the outcome. Maybe we need to focus more on the process than we do actually on the outcome, because when the outcome comes, hopefully we'll understand and we'll trust that God's going to do something good, which he promises to do. He's going to turn all things for good to those who trust in him. Right. Well, I like I like where you where you were going with that, Jason. And, and I mean, let me let me build on that just a little bit, because one of the struggles I don't want to say struggles because I really haven't thought this way but the thought has crossed my mind before of you know again how many prayer lists does a person have to be on how many people have to be praying for so and so to get better before they get better is it that you know it, it, god is i'm gonna not i'm not gonna put it in the question way i'm going to put it in a statement way god is not sitting there saying okay, I needed to have 46 people praying for this, but only 32 did, so I'm not going to answer this prayer the way you wanted it. God is not working that way. But at the same time, we still do ask others to pray for us. And I'm not exactly sure what actually happens when we do it, but what I do know for sure is that Jesus told us to pray. The Bible tells us to pray. So in being obedient, we are to do that. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe that too, that like the, the more people that are praying, the more people that are having the opportunity with this fat thing, you know, to, to get fat in their prayer, in their prayer life. So maybe the more, it's not like you said, Peter, it's not, I don't believe either that if I have 35,000 people praying. That's the magic number. Mm -hmm. But maybe the more people that are praying, the more people are being exposed to God, being exposed to their faith and their growth in faith and being able to to become fat in, in their trust in what God in their trust in God. I I was sitting with a lady, we working through some issues here at church on how to care for someone. And we've been praying over the situation, you know, for two, three months. And as I was sitting with her, and we're talking about some of the stuff that we're working through with her. She said something that really penetrated me. She says, you know, when you pray to the Lord and you have people praying intercessory prayers, the one who has been prayed over has to accept what God is doing in their lives. 
And if they don't accept it, then it's not the fault of the one who is praying, but it's the fault of the one who's been prayed over, that they're not moving in the direction that they prayed for. So, so you know, in a, in a way, it, it's 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 this dance. You know, if you want this to happen, and God gives you the opportunity for it to happen, but you don't act on it, that's not the fault of the prayer warrior. At that point, you know, and, and when I was working with her, it a bunch of lights came on in my life because you know there are people I've life coached where they're like, no, we want this, this, and this. And all of a sudden they're not doing it. And they're like, well, you're not doing a good job as a life coach. Yeah. You know, I'm like, dude, you're choosing not to do it. That's not my fault. Yeah. <laughs> and that's true in prayer. You know, we, we do the same with prayer sometimes. You know, we, we know God wants us to go in this direction. We pray for God to take us in that direction. Yet you watch a person going, no, we're not doing that. And my prayer is not being answered. But I was like, didn't you just say you wanted that? You know, so there's some of that there, too, is that, you know, I'm, I realize as a Calvinist, I'm all about God's sovereignty, but I become weak-kneed Calvinist at the point of, but in their human free will, sometimes they choose the opposite. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that, that to me, is also part of the puzzle as well. Yeah, and I think that it's important for us to also mention, because I don't know who's listening to us here, and I don't know what things people have heard about prayer, but I have heard some people say that if you don't get what you want, it means you don't have enough faith. If you don't get what you're praying for, you haven't gotten it because you don't have enough faith. Um, I, I don't see it that way. I, I want to be perfectly clear that, you know, the bottom line is the that we need to be praying for God's will. Um, sometimes God gives people things that weren't the best. One of the greatest examples to me is in the Old Testament where uh, God finally told Samuel, okay, they've been praying for a king. They've been asking for a king. Give them a king. You know, that wasn't what God wanted, but... He went ahead and gave it to them and even warned them ahead of time. If you get this king that you've been praying for, you're not going to like it. But give us a king. Give us a king. Okay, you asked for it. Um, God doesn't always answer the prayers the way that we think they should be answered. And and again, you said it, Don, and, and, I, and I know that you believe it too, Jason, that the bottom line is that we need to be praying for God's will. And... The, the balance that I do, I think I like the way that you call it, Don, the dance is between just saying, okay, and I said this earlier today, okay, God, your will be done, leave it there, you know, and um, keeping on praying, keeping on asking. Um, I, I heard a sermon earlier this year by a pastor who who, who used the, the ask, seek, and knock, or, or Jesus said, ask, seek, and knock. He said asking is the kind of thing where, yeah, it comes to your mind, okay, yeah, Lord, I'm going to ask that. Seeking means, you know, I'm really going to, I'm going to pray about this a little bit more earnestly. And knocking means, he says, that that implies that you're knocking, that you're actually kind of pushing at that door, trying to 
open that door that it's it's a little bit deeper each time i had not heard it that way before but i really liked when i heard it that way so we are to ask we are to seek and we are to knock but not like not every single prayer requires the the knocking some of the some of them require just a little bit less with the seeking and some of them are just like okay lord you know what's going on here i put it in your hands and you can just leave it there uh, I don't know what you guys think about that one, but it really spoke to me when I heard that uh, several months ago. And I like trying to trust it, right, that God is going to turn everything. I have a little bit of a hard time, like at a like at a, a sermon visitation or something, that somebody will come up to the bereaved and say, well, it was God's will. Mm-hmm. You know, I always kind of go back to Adam and Eve. It was never God's will that death should come into the world. It was because of sin that death came into the world. Right. You know, so... I mean th- that whole idea that maybe in prayer that that uh, that God, I believe that you're going to turn this for good. I mean, whatever whatever's going on, and he, he obviously he's God. He can do whatever he wants. He could stop whatever he wants. You know, why does he allow things to happen? You know, we just trust that he he's God and and he's going to turn everything for good, and we put it into his hands. Yep, I, like I think. That. I think the hardest part of my journey personally was my brother dealing with ALS. And that journey began when he was about 52 years old. He things just, he's had to stop working because he, he was in manufacturing and forklifts and almost literally killed somebody because of his shaking hands. And he knew at that point he had to stop working and, you know, he called me and and he was in tears because he says, Don, I know there's something majorly wrong here. And I'm praying God give me wisdom to know what to do and how to deal with this. Um, and, and as we journeyed through the process of the body slowly failing, where he fell down the stairs and fell on the uh, dishwasher and broke a rib and all those things he would call me and and he says well god's teaching me this today or god's teaching me that and ultimately his prayer walk and as i prayed intercessively for him was was that god would just give him what he needed when he needed in that journey you know and and i saw it in ways i'd never thought one of the answered prayers on that was he had a stroke like six weeks before he passed away and it was enough to slow things down a little bit and the last time i saw him he said you know don my first intercessory prayer i'm requesting is that my death open the door for my stepchildren to see jesus more because none of them believe that was the first one and the second one was that he would not pass away and at this time he didn't know his als he didn't know his als till two weeks before he passed um and and the second one was lord just give me a quick gentle homecoming and Mm -hmm. he prayed that in you know aggressively and i prayed for that aggressively and it turned out after i saw him about a week two weeks later he passed away from a massive stroke and it was answered prayer and and you know he didn't have to go through the ventilator he didn't have to go through the feeding tube you know als is a tough death and you know it's a strange prayer to be answered in that way 
And when we ended up doing a online type of memorial service for him, because it was doing COVID, I got some beautiful emails about his testimony and how he faced death, made them think about Jesus more, you know? So I didn't get my prayer answered in a way because mine was, dude, God, heal him. And mm -hmm. my brother's prayer was, use me. And actually, right. his prayer yeah. got more answered than mine. <laughs> yeah. that, I mean, that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that's the thing about, you know, intercessory prayer. It's always interesting. We had two different prayers going on between my brother and I. And to see me being the, he kiddingly used to call me the head holy dude. And him being just this lowly manufacturer, God actually answered his prayer more than mine. Yeah. You know, and, and, I, and I think that's the beauty of letting God lead. We keep going back to the word trust. You know, he leads as he wishes, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, it's interesting when you look at prayer and, and I look at that situation, how God answered it and made it even better than what I thought it could be. Yeah, to God be all the glory for yeah. for everything. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And well, also add there that past the prayers of pastors aren't more effectual than anybody else's prayers. You know, people exactly. think, oh, the pastor should pray because you're closer to God than I am. You know, I've often said that just because we've been called into pastoral ministry um, doesn't mean that we're better Christians. It just means that God has a different assignment for us. Yeah. Yeah. We're all, as, as as Christians, we are all to be serving God one way or the other through the gifts and graces he's given us. And gentlemen, I mean, I, I think we could keep talking about this, but as I'm looking at our timer right now, I'm thinking we probably ought to start winding things up here because maybe some of the people aren't listening anymore. But uh, hopefully it's been something that has been beneficial. Well, to I'm you praying all. that they still are listening. Yes, let's pray that they're <laughs> still that? listening. Right, exactly. And hopefully it's been beneficial, especially to hear that even pastors and, and those who have been in ministry for many years, um, I don't want to use the word struggle, but maybe struggle is a good word. Um, it's, a, it's a beneficial struggle that we still look into these things and we still don't always understand them. Um, and so we hope that this has been, as I said, beneficial to you. If you would like to contact us, know that we do have a Facebook page. I would give you our email address, but I have heard recently that our email address must have gotten hacked or something because we haven't been able to answer our emails for a few weeks. So um, I don't want you to ask a question that we never see. So if you'd like to contact us, we do have a, a Facebook page, which is Reconciling Grace Podcast. Just go to Recon RG Podcast, I think is what it is, at Facebook, and uh, you can look it up there. But I hope that... Um, You'll contact us if you want to have any more questions about that. We might not have all the answers, as you may have heard today. But uh, I do want to thank you for joining us. So I'm going to say for Pastor Don McDonald at Danforth Reformed Church, Danforth, Illinois, and uh, Associate Pastor Jason Rensner from Faith Lutheran Church, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. This is Pete Vecchi, Church of the Nazarene, um, actually going to be back in evangelism. I didn't know if I was going to be saying this or not, but um, I'm going to be stepping out of the associate pastor role that I've been in and go back to being an evangelist in the Church of the Nazarene within the next few weeks. Uh, at least that's the plan, unless the Lord comes back and says something different. Uh, but still, it's in ministry. 
And uh, I just want to thank you for joining us today. And Lord willing, we'll be back with another episode of Reconciling Grace. God bless. This has been Reconciling Grace. If you have a comment or a question for our panel, or if you would like to invite one or more of our panelists to share with your church or group, please send an email to rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. And thank you for listening to Reconciling Grace. Reconciling Grace.